This episode was recorded on December 31st, 2020. All right, everybody. Welcome to the comic panel. I'm Cody. I'm Taylong. I'm Jacob. And I'm Shawenta. Previously on the comic panel. Well, well, I'm sure it was like offshore, you know, away from people. I guess? I don't know. It still seems like there's better... Places to store your toxic waste. It seems irresponsible. They, You're right. They do that all the time, though, unfortunately, in reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's better than putting it in the oceans, like, real life, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> still, like, you know, it just seems like, you know, you'd get, like, a, a fair piece of kryptonite in there that somebody left behind, and then suddenly you have a new kryptonite man or something. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's what kryptonite needs is to be more radioactive. <laughs> yeah. Now. So, um... Oh, yeah, so this is the scene where uh, Mama Pentecost, which is a personality of Crazy Jane, translates the book that was in the hands of the dude who was burning up at the end of the first issue. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, this is probably the wordiest issue, because, like, they have to explain all the weird stuff that happens yeah. in the first two issues. Yeah. Or first two, three? Yeah, some amount of issues. Yeah. Basically, it's called a black book, and it the the idea of it is to implant ideas by using uh, words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I I wanted to talk about this too because I think that the idea of mimetic theory is really... otherwise known as Inception. No, not otherwise yeah, known yeah. as Inception. Medic theory is not the same as Inception. <laughs> anyway. You should play uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 because it's all about medic theory. <laughs> huh. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, I think that... Also not an advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> medic theory For like is a really, really interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting, <laughs> but I feel like people just like don't want to talk about it or like don't... like don't realize like how cool it can be because it's like ah that's where we get the word memes from and then like that's the only which i mean like can focus on it i mean <laughs> I it kind of that. is and i feel like that's what most people like interpret the theory as like they just see it and then it's like oh yeah i know what memes are and then forget about it even though like what we know memes as is not the point of mimetic theory yeah because basically it's like you know so mimetics is like kind of a term coin or like it's it comes from the same like verbiage as genetics you know it's like it is passing on information but rather than passing it on through dna it passes it on through information so like regular (laughs) communication gotcha yes and no (laughs) because it's like it's the way that um because when things get communicated over and over and over again, it kind of just 
Um, it's like when we talk about like cultural osmosis, it's like, I know mm. that information, but I don't know how I know that information. Mm. You know, it becomes yeah. kind of just embedded in us. So is it like um, subliminal messaging then? Um, related to subliminal messaging, mm. but not necessarily the same. Because that has to no, be I think, with... Go ahead, Jake. I think a good example is, like, the way that, like, children, like, have shared experiences over distances. Like, they all know, like, the weird, like, if you do the six lines and connect them, you make the S. Like, there's stuff that, like, there's no... You can't, like, point to a specific origin of, but, like, if you talk to most kids, they have some uh, recognition of it. Yeah, that's a good point, Jake. Yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of it's more of a long form, unoriginated uh, phenomenon rather than. Uh, it's like it's like the origin of like generational fighting. Like, oh, we don't even remember what we're fighting about. We just know where we've always fought. Kind of, yeah. Again, you're like on the. I iceberg. mean, that's like an an application of it. Yeah. But like, it's like the overall theory is just like talking more about like how information is perceived and how it can be used by people and like you can bring up like different examples of it and like how it uh it, i think it more reflects like on on people but yeah it's weird people have talked about it for a long time who are much smarter than us um yeah so anyway that's how this book works essentially is with mimetic theory um, and basically, so it's, it's, it's a metafiction, and yeah. it tells the story of its own creation, mm -hmm. in which a group of philosophers create it to alter human thought, mm -hmm. and it's supposed to, like, have these ideas, which are parasites, which will enter human consciousness and transform it, um... <laughs> And then Cliff's like, oh, that explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I don't blame him. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, yeah, Cliff really is the stand-in for the reader. Mm. You know, it's all like, you know, what are we supposed to do with this, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so Jane then goes on to say, uh, the philosophers created a city called Orquith, or a world city called Earl Orquith, which uh, exists on another plane, reality intersecting with our own. <laughs> <sighs> they then wanted to create an alternative to the... So the reason they created it was they wanted to create it as an alternative to our materialistic world. And uh, they outlined the history and geography. Yeah. And then, yeah, basically, so... Oh, and then it's called a black book. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... It, actually, the book is called um, The Book With No Name. Just... just <laughs> this is too much. Okay, so... I'm just done. Let me, <laughs> let me throw this out. This is, like, something I was thinking about when I was reading this, and maybe I'm just thinking too deep about it, but, like, the way that they, like, the authors like um made this in like such a fully fleshed out way in something that like it seems like it would have been like really difficult to 
just make by themselves. I kind of interpret that that as like the uh, I forget the name, but like that book has existed outside of humans, and like the it being written in like our universe is like the first step of it taking over the universe. Oh. It like this isn't the first time that it has done this. Hmm. If that makes sense. Because it, it said that it spreads by transmitting a piece of its consciousness to this world and mm-hmm. then spreads in waves, little by little here and then speeds up. That that explains why, like, you know, Ralph, you know, was, like, talking about the scissor men and Jane was talking about them, you know. Like, basically, it was starting to get into people's heads before the book was actually written and the scissor men were out in the real world. Mm-hmm. Okay. That does actually make a lot more sense. However, I am under the impression that this is the first time this book has been written, so... But we'll get to that part later. <laughs> Maybe. It could be. That's, you know, that's what's good about open-ended writing, I guess. We can both be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah, they're supposed to get devoured by their own creation. Um, or the philosophers. The, yeah, the philosophers, sorry, um, that wrote the book. Um, they become the gateway, or the book becomes the gateway between the imaginary and the real. Oh, oh, and, and <laughs> so, so the Scissormen are a religious sect that, uh, what, worship a god that exists on the crossroads between two planes of reality. Yeah. <laughs> This is a really wordy issue. It's so much exposition I, explaining. I mean, at, okay, like I, like yeah. they probably could have done it better, but I do like that they did at least like try to explain it, other than like not trying at all and just being like, "Man, that was weird. Glad we solved that problem. Hope that never comes back." <laughs> it's true. Like, I mean. Okay, I, I just have to get into, like, you know, this is really, like, some of my, like, bread and butter for entertainment. Like, this uh, is okay. why I like this book, is, like, just the, like, the explanation is so weird. Like, you know, you just come away with more questions than answers <laughs> sometimes. And, like, I don't know how to explain myself. I don't mm-hmm. I don't expect anybody else to like this, but I like it. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah um okay so the the scissormen are based off of the boogeyman from heinrich hoffman's jewel veil pepper but i did like the little bit of research that i did i don't see the boogeyman in it like i don't know what the boogeyman they're talking about because the boogeyman isn't named in the book that is Really hard for but me like, to say too because I have no idea about the history of the boogeyman, the, mm-hmm. the, the that story. I'm mm-hmm. like lost yeah. on that explanation. But but if you look at an image of Stuhl Velpeter, yes, it makes sense. Like I can see the resemblance. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe they just renamed yeah, I mean, him that way. Yeah. It could be, like, any of, like, a hundred things. Like, it could be, like, the same thing as, like, the Grim Fairy Tales, where, like, if you go back to the original texts, they're, like, way darker and include a lot more death than, like, what is, like, 
you know, uh, told the kids and maybe like that is like a version that you got or maybe it's like one of like a hundred different translations that have been around since however long the stories have been. Actually, the story of the Struel Veltheter is that the guy, Heinrich Hoffman, just wanted to make an alternative. He wanted to give a birthday present to his son, I think, and he wanted an alternative to the ones that were already there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so he just like, created like a best-selling... <laughs> he just created a best-selling like a fairy tale anthology just out of spite <laughs> yeah. towards the other stories. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Also, Taiwan, I think I, I better understand your question now because I, I didn't understand when you were first asking it. Mm -hmm. But I think that maybe, yeah, I, it's it's likely that the the villain or whatever in that story probably was never called the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. I think it was probably a nameless entity and the, the boogeyman is like, you know, to say that it is a monster, you know. Oh, gosh. But it's, you know, an unnamed monster, basically. Gotcha. So that was just an example, is my best guess, without mm. having any more context than what's been provided. <laughs> um, so yeah, then Rebus is studying one of the scissor men, you know, been able to uh, contain it in suspended animation. Well, not quite suspended. It can still talk. Um, mostly suspended animation. <laughs> Oh yeah, they don't really go into like how they captured a scissor man, but I guess they just did. Yeah. <laughs> so that um also like yeah, this is just like such a famous like uh line I feel like from this is like all I, uh, all I want is the answer to one simple question before I run screaming back to the bug house. Is this real or isn't it? And I'm just like prime prime line which yeah. like you, you know i think like you know because this series goes on to really deal with the like you know and it's not gonna like do the like you know whole like fourth wall breaking of like you know oh we're just in a comic book you know it doesn't go like that like cheeky campy but it really does deal with like the nature of reality and that they their existence could be like completely fake and like how do you deal with that mm -hmm. <laughs> um and then Niles Calder talks about on reality and unreality and I'm I'm sorry I was just like that's stupid <laughs> like, <laughs> that's to me it reminded me of that line from Pirates of the Caribbean 3 where the dude's like the Im the immaterial has become immaterial <laughs> wow wow it's really great yeah no this is definitely like you know kind of uh parodying like you know intellectuals and pseudo-intellectuals it's all like ah the answer is so clear you know and it's all like that didn't say anything because <laughs> yeah basically what niles says is like you know there's um like you know an eastern um philosophy there, like, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. You know, and it's like, without any context, that's not going to help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, like, that was the worst line, I think, where I was like, everything was making sense, and then he says that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. 
also I love like that at, right after that panel I love Robot Man's pose because like it's not supposed to mean anything like it obviously isn't supposed to mean anything but it's just like kind of silly <laughs> like the way he's standing <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, it's like he's just got like one hand behind his head and he's mm. just like curved spine like yeah. it's, it's like at a Jojo or something <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's also, like, it's when Cliff, like, checks out. It's like, I do not get paid enough to understand this. Just tell me where I need to go and what I need to do. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Uh, so, Niles goes to goes off uh, to find out, well, he says to find out just how uh, infected or, like, present Orkwith is on the Earth. Mm-hmm. And then, or, and he takes uh, Crazy Jane and Rebus with him leaving Robot Man and Clay to look after uh, the captured Scissor Man. Yeah, looking back... Yeah, the last thing he says is keep a close eye on the Scissor Man. And what's the first thing they do is take a seat to not look at the Scissor Man when they're talking to each other. Okay, but... They they are they are at this table and then Scissor Man is just right there, just like mumbling. It's like the weirdest thing. Yeah. Also, I was gonna say real quick too, like I'm not sure they'd be particularly interesting, but this book like is almost kind of set up like there was supposed to be like a spin-off or something like you know how like there's like multiple X books you know for the mm-hmm. X Men like because sometimes they just like. You know, like, we've, we've talked about, like, oh, how did they get to Kansas City? And, like, oh, where's the chief going with Crazy Jade? You know, it's all like, I'm not sure if I'm, re- like, really interested in those stories, but, like, mm-hmm. they almost make it seem like there's oh, something missing sometimes. Gotcha. Like, I'm like, huh. I, n- I never really thought about that, but... Also, I like that um, they're just, like, subtly introducing... Um, the chief is definitely a chocoholic. <laughs> He eats candy, like, oh, way <laughs> too much. <laughs> I noticed you. that. I was like, like, I, was like I wish I could be like him, you know, just wielding a gun and then constantly pulling out chocolate, just and then explaining <laughs> things to my friends perfectly. Yeah, it's really the, the, it's the superhero fantasy that nobody wants to admit. <laughs> <laughs> You're always the smartest guy in the room. You mm. have you you don't have to walk. You have a a gun and chocolate. <laughs> I don't know. There's a factor in there I'm not sure I agree with. I kind of <laughs> like being able to walk. Hey, you don't know that he's not able to walk. He just doesn't walk. Mm. I feel like if he was able to, he would though. I'm okay. I could be wrong. But I think, and spoilers for, like, later on in the series, but I think that he might be faking it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, hold on. But why, though? To trick everybody. Okay, that's the true dream, though. (laughs) Just like... Nobody knows, but I can do more than I say. That, no, no, no. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he pretend to not have the use of his limbs? We don't even need to go into that. That's that's out of the purview of this episode. Can we get to the next part? I, wa- I want to get to the part where he uses his gun. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, that's in the next issue. Oh, no. Okay. Let's, let's speed up a little bit, yeah. So... 
basically, uh, Josh, Josh Clay and Cliff have a conversation about, like, you know, what they want, kind of, from their future, you know, like, basically, like, and, and kind of their me- mental issues, and then they realize that the Scissor Man <laughs> escaped and got back up, and now they're coming to... And they got them. more Scissor Man. Yeah. And then, you know, they job. attack... Oh, go ahead. No, they literally, they had one job, one oh, yeah. scissor man, and <laughs> yep. he just gets out. So then, um, you know, they basically, like, they start blasting them and fighting them, and they're pretty easy to take down. So then one of them sneaks up on Joshua Clay and gets him, and so he's cut out of reality. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, everybody comes running into the room. What happened? And so <laughs> I, I like how... Um, how Niles just like puts his hand through is like interesting. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like no no regard for like you know that might mess things up. Maybe his like white shadow will disappear forever or something, yeah. and you never get him back. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe like in the the other world, you might be like pushing his organs around or something. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just like huh? I put my hand through this. Mm-hmm. And then, then Rebus is like, okay, I feel them. They're out there waiting for us. And, they're like, and Cliff's like, well, what are we just waiting around here for? Let's go. Yeah. And then they get white cut out. It, yeah. They like, turn into I, white. Yeah, basically they're willing to get cut out in order to go to the other world and stop the threat at the source. I don't think that was their purpose. Like, I, I thought they were just like, oh, let's go attack them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, their their intention was a little unclear, but <laughs> it worked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, all right, back to the book. <laughs> back to the book. So, um, we get a bunch of exposition on uh, the Q-Worth, or ever uh, Orkworth. Orkworth. <laughs> um, but I don't really care. I, I, I love uh, I love <laughs> the uh, quadrivium. In the center, oh wait, what was it? The what? <laughs> I just love that word. I think <laughs> the center. Oh, quadrivium. Oh, there, there we go. Um, the city spreads like ripples, and the center point of that spread is called the quadrivium. In the center of that quadrivium is the ossuary, which uh, is the cathedral of Orkwith. and there sits uh, two priests, one who is a liar and one who is honest. And, uh, yeah, that, that's probably the more important part. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's say what you will about Grant Morrison, but he's really good at naming things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. That yeah. is very true. Um, and he's really good at, like, having lots of, like, not lots of plot threads, but lots of just continuity mm. stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and making it up if it doesn't exist. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Crazy Jane, Robot Man, and uh, Rebus, Rebus get teleported, or transported, or whatever, <laughs> to uh, Orkwith, which is what happens when you turn into a white cutout. Mm-hmm. You, so all the people who have turned into white cutouts that we've seen in this book appear here, including Joshua Clay, but they're like zombified, I guess, in a, in a sense. Yeah. Like, not responsive. Yeah. Classic zombies, not brain-eating zombies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, they find they find Joshua, but, like, 
you know, he's he's just like kind of out of it. They they say like uh uh sleepwalking is another way to describe mm-hmm. it. Um and then we come to an old guy um with like, you know, he's got papers everywhere, but he's got a big fancy office with big bookshelves. And then Okay, wait. He's a doctor. I was gonna say in the previous scene, they're so lucky that when they got cut out, they didn't like turn out like Joshua. Like, how did they roll the dice and, like, not have that happen? Don't even know. That is a good point. Wow. (laughs) That kind of messes with... I mean, well, they didn't get, like... They didn't get, like, cut out. They got transported, I guess. They got, like, the... There is a mountain, there is no mountain, then there is again. Right, yeah. Into... I guess by... I don't... by, uh... By understanding where or that you can that there is a crossroads between the real world and the imaginary world they were able to enter the imaginary world and that crossroads just so okay. happened to appear right outside of their base in Rhode Island mm-hmm. which i mean like because the world is, the imaginary world is limitless and expansive i suppose the crossroads could be anywhere mm-hmm. just like you know the center of the universe is anywhere because it's like limitless gotcha but yeah uh so the old guy is Reinman that uh was one of the philosophers that wrote the book and uh niles says like all right hey let's uh talk and then he you know pulls out a gun and he's like all right now you're a cripple <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. Okay, so it's the perfect it. setup because like, he's like, I wouldn't talk to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna talk to you, and he calls him like a cripple or something. He's like, and then Niles just shoots yeah. him like right perfectly in the hip, and the, he's like, Well, now you're a cripple too, so let's talk. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um. So, so the negative spirit left uh, Revis's body and is uh, uh, attacking the, the scissorman. scissorman yeah. yeah, and then like basically they shine like a big like bat signal type light at at um, the negative spirit, and then mm-hmm. that like turns like it. It's weird because it like it basically you know, it it cuts the negative spirit up into shreds, but then you know, uh, Rebus his body just like or well rebus without the negative spirit like goes mm-hmm. and just like you know co- kind of like gets in the raining shreds and then so the negative spirit reforms inside mm-hmm. of them yeah. and then and then now the negative spirit has all this information about orc with and is just spouting off i would consider nonsense but apparently <laughs> crazy jane knows exactly what they're talking about yeah. He's like, all right, now I know how to stop them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, like, convenient, but also, like, it's very good at making it seem like it makes sense and mm-hmm. that it's, like, it has a perfectly reasonable explanation yeah. rather than being convenient. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, there. so we kind of already talked about the religious sect that the scissor men belong to in this imaginary world. And, like, we also, we get... They discover the way to defeat them at the same time that Niles discovers the way to defeat them by mm. talking to the philosopher that helped create the world, mm. which is there is a logical um, 
contradiction that the world is founded on, which is the question, uh, why is there something instead of nothing? Mm. Which, yeah. Um, and so basically all they have to do is ask the two um, priests. the two priests in the cathedral that question, and then they will realize that their world should not exist and so it will be destroyed. Yeah. And so the plan that uh, Rebus, Crazy Jane, and Robot Man come up with is that basically Robot Man and Crazy Jane will distract all the scissor men so that... Or, sorry. The negative spirit, Robot Man and Crazy Jane, will distract all the scissor men while Rebus is a, will be able to uh, am, you know, enter the cathedral and ask the priest the question. <laughs> Which basically everything goes right, you know? Like it's yeah. like there's some surprises, but like mm -hmm. for the most part, like so, so here's the thing. So um so he asked the question, right? Remember, one priest is a liar and one priest is an is honest. So they asked the question and they both respond the same way. There is not nothing instead of something. Or is there is not something instead of nothing. Hold on. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. Well, no, um, they they do not know why there is something uh, instead of nothing. Gotcha. Is what they say at first. Gotcha. Yes, and so then Rebus is like, so the liar, why why is there something instead of why is there something instead of nothing? And then he says there is something instead of nothing, and then he's like, well, then you can't exist, <laughs> and because if he's a liar. If he says something, it's the opposite. The truth is the opposite. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, it can't be true that there is something instead of nothing, because that's what he said. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, I guess, is the logical fallacy, I, which I, is, like, the, you know, the deus ex machina to, like, hit and, like, mm -hmm. to undo all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I feel a little, like, that's weak. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, once they explained it, it made sense, but, like, as it was happening, I didn't yeah. really understand, no, I didn't know like, what, what was going on. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, like, it, to me, it's, like, half of this, like, story is, like, some, like, cool, like, you know, high-concept philosophical, um, like, things, and then the other half is, like, mushrooms philosophy, you know? <laughs> like, mm. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, getting... Uh, eating mushrooms and being all like, yeah, what if, like, why is there something instead mm. of nothing? And, mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, oh, you talking about I mean, like, but I guess, like, no, I'm not specifically referencing that 70s show, just like, you know, in general, like, well, well, like, you know, how they would sit around in the circle and then, oh, like, yeah, sure, gotcha. like, yeah, that kind <laughs> of speaking. <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't know, like, I don't have a problem with, like, the question specifically, because I guess it is kind of like the root of like, you know, questioning thinking. It's like, why is there something that we can see instead of not that? Why why is why are things the way they are? Is basically right. what it boils down to. It's like I don't really have a problem with the question, but like I do see where you're coming from with like they just can like kind of solve it at the end. Because they have to. It's you know, limits of the medium. Right. But uh, so basically, um, Niles is like, all right, the the world needs the Doom Patrol more than ever. 
And they're like, okay, fine, we'll join. <laughs> and then in the epilogue, we get introduced to Rhea Jones, which was um, part of the original Doom Patrol, who I'm going out on a limb and say that she got into a coma because of the gene bomb. Yeah. So That's fair. Yeah. But so she's currently in a coma, and then uh, some entity shows up, which we eventually, in later issues, get um, are, are told is the Red Jack. Mm-hmm. Also, I just love that like the nurse is, is all like superheroes. They make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. making my job harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then there's the in the second epilogue, we have uh, Hare Niemand uh, entering the house of Doctor Bruckner, and Doctor Bruckner's like, "Oh my gosh, it got out," or he got out. Yeah. 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 Don't know what that is, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Is this also in? Oh, this is in Paraguay. Yeah. Okay, I thought this was in Patagonia. Mm, no, no, no. <laughs> so, no. So I was like, "Hey, I mean, it's is there a relationship? It's close. It's South America." But, um, yeah, I believe that that will turn out to be Mr. Nobody, the villain of the third arc. Yeah. Which, I don't know, I feel like Mr. I don't know, I haven't gotten far enough into the story to know much about Mr. Nobody. Mm-hmm. But he was heavily involved in the TV show. Yeah, he was, he was the main villain in season one. So... Okay, maybe we don't have time for it, but what's the deal with Mr. Nobody? Like, is he just, like, an invisible man? Is he, um, like, antimatter? Like, what's the... So, not none of those things. He does have a physical form. In fact, he looks kind of like an exclamation point. <laughs> um, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, and he basically sat in like you know like you know se- sensory de- deprivation tanks. It was kind of like that, yes. except for it was all white space, mm. and so that basically affected his mind, and he like kind of went crazy, and like it was like there's no world, there's no time, and it kind of gave him powers to affect reality. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Okay. Because of his mental break? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is not how it went in the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Basically, I feel was, like he... that... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I feel like that goes more into, like, the, like, weird occult stuff, because, like, if you are somebody who subscribes to, like, real-life magic, it does, like, culminate into... Like, tr- kind of affecting the world. Like, the world is based on a code, and you can influence the code. Kind of like your Neo, but with less martial arts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like that. Basically, you know, he was... At one point, he was, like, a low member of, like, the Brotherhood of uh, Evil. Which is another thing that's all like, which one was first? The X-Men or the Doom Patrol? But anyway... Oh, because of the Brotherhood of Evil mutants. Yeah. I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just took a word off. I, uh, 
Anyway, so yeah, he was like a low-level member of the Brotherhood of Evil, and then um, he was all like, well, I want to be like better. I want to be recognized, you know? And then so he went to a Nazi scientist in South America, and they did that experiment on him. And then, yeah. Well, there's, I just remember like there's a whole scene of the Nazi scientist being a puppet. Mm. That was just weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens in the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wait, all right, yeah. Were you talking uh, about the comic? Yeah, I was. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so it is similar in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sounds um, weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend this series. Um, you know, it kind of slows down at the end in the third volume because, like, Grant Morrison was even getting bored <laughs> on it. Um, but, like, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I would recommend at least the first two books, if not the third one too, because like at least you get the conclusion. Mm. Um, would you recommend reading it before watching the show? Um, I don't know, you know, because it's like both have their merits, and honestly, like they kind of they're like it's not like a a direct one to one translation of what goes on. So I feel like both have like. You know, you're not going to feel, like, spoiled if you have watched or if you've read it and then you watch the show. Um, but I don't think it's necessary because, you know, you get proper introduction to the characters in both. Yeah, and and in the, like you said, not a one, one-to-one representation of what happens in the show versus the comic book. Because even the Doom Patrol, there are different characters in there. Yeah, for instance, like, uh, Rebus is, like, not represented at all. It's just Larry Trainer. Yeah, and um, Rita Farr is in it, and, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. yeah. Lots of difference. I like um, I like the fact that you said that, like, it won't spoil the other one. No, so that's mm-hmm. nice. I, would, I wouldn't say so. I, except, except for maybe Red Jack. Uh, I, I think you get a... I don't know, sorry. Red Jack doesn't, like do anything with Rhea, but Red Jack is similar. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Like, okay, here, here, I'm gonna come down on this. I would say that if you feel like, you know, like, the because the themes are still present in both, so if you feel like, you know, you really would prefer to get, like, the themes of this story packaged in a more, like, um cohesive like big way like big picture way then read the book first if you don't really like you know you just want to maybe be intra introduced into some of these weird concepts with these weird characters go ahead and watch the show first and then you know you can dive deeper with the Mm -hmm. book i i will say for me personally i like the tv show better and that's mainly because there are some aspects of this book that kind of started off as confusing and then morphed into me thinking it was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're more like me and you really like, you know, the weird people that, like, speak nonsense and the, the pseudo-philosophy, yeah. <laughs> then read the book. If you don't like that, they cut all of that out in the show. <laughs> well, not all of it, but, you know... The vast majority. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this book, 
like there's a spectrum of how media kind of treats its audience and like what it expects its audience to bring to um, whenever like the audience interprets whatever media it is. I feel like this book goes a little too far towards trusting the audience to know what it's talking about, mm. especially like, like, okay, so we read this book being able to look up any reference we wanted to with our phones or on the internet. If I had picked this book up in 1989 and like didn't own an encyclopedia, then like I would have not kept reading because yeah. I wouldn't have understood any of what I was talking about. Yeah, that's why you go to the library, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I don't want to go to the library. Else hypothetical me in 1989 i just want to pick up some batman books some cool batman books and read about him beating up the joker <laughs> yeah that's that's a very good point it's a very good is point. there also a possibility that people in 1989 mm -hmm. knew more than we do of like cultural references no no, no. <laughs> i feel like there's a possibility i do not it, okay See, like, hypothetically i, I will agree but like probably like i don't i don't believe that if you walked up to the to the average co the average comic reader they would understand like the weird buddhist principle of like a zen tone or whatever they call it <laughs> where it's like literally just a riddle to make you think like i don't believe that if you pick somebody off the street in 1989 they would know that okay yeah yeah, I think audience. that we, we have, what's that? I was just saying it's a really small audience there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think the internet does definitely help. And I feel like maybe this was definitely, yeah, written for a niche audience of like college graduate <laughs> to, to really <laughs> understand. <laughs> like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like taken like five literature courses, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. After a second read, I still like it. Um, the art holds up. We didn't really get a chance to really talk about the art, but it wasn't like I didn't find it exceptional. But it there was good moments for sure. Um, yeah. Does anybody else have any other thoughts? Nope. Okay. Well, then we'll end our show. I hope everybody has a good, uh, safe New Year's Eve. Um, you've been listening to us on KSUA 91.5 FM. Until next time, this has been the comic panel. I'm Cody. I'm Taylon. I'm Jacob. And I'm Shawenta. All right, everybody have a good night. Thank you for listening. You can catch us on Mondays, 5 to 7 p.m. on KSUA 91.5 FM, The People's Radio. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Comic Panel, It's Comic Time. Or you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore comic underscore panel. Or like our Facebook page at It's Comic Time. Have a great rest of your day.